Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's great. I'll move a little closer. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Isn't God good? We're just going to start there. I know they hyped up the fact that I have a TEDx talk. Here's the fun thing about God. That's on YouTube, but God was so good with that TED talk that they moved it to the TED.com stage a few months after I did it, and it's had over 1.5 million views. That's God. That's not me. That's him giving me a message that would reach the world. Amen? So I'm here today simply to do what he told me to do. Amen? Amen. We will stand in a moment for the reading of the word, but I'm just going to pray first. Awesome, God. You are so good, and I am so grateful. So God, I just ask today that you do everything that you intended to do through me, that you move me out of the way, oh God, so that you can be magnified in all of your might and that you would speak a word of encouragement to your people. I thank you. I thank you now before it's done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right. I'm gonna thank some people and then we're gonna read the word. I wanna first, of course, thank our pastor, Pastor Katani Gilbert. Thank you. Thank you, woman of God, my pastor. I'm so grateful for this honor. I do not take it lightly. Bless you, sis. And to every minister, elder, pastor, leader, and person who is here, I thank you all. Special shout outs to the prayer ministry. Yes. And special shout out to the media ministry. Amen. Those are the two that I'm a part of, and so I just give special love to them because I get to serve with them every single week, and it is an honor. It is an honor. All right, if you would please, if you are able, please stand to your feet for the reading of the Word of God. We are going to go to Acts chapter 16, verse 16, and I'm going to read it in two different translations today. The first will be The Passion Translation, Acts 16, verse 16. And it reads, One day, as we, that's Paul and Silas, were going to the house of prayer, we encountered a young slave girl who had an evil spirit of divination, the spirit of Python. She had earned great profits for her owners by being a fortune teller. She kept following us, shouting, these men are servants of the great high God, and they're telling us how to be saved. Day after day, she continued to do this until Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit indwelling her, I command you in the name of Jesus, the anointed one, to come out of her now. At that very moment, the spirit came out of her. When her owners realized that their potential of making profit had vanished, they forcefully seized Paul and Silas and dragged them off to the city square to face the authorities. When they appeared before the Roman soldiers and magistrates, the slave owners leveled accusations against them saying, these Jews are troublemakers. They're throwing our city into confusion. 
They're pushing their Jewish religion down our throats. It's wrong and unlawful for them to promote these Jewish ways, for we are Romans living in a Roman colony. A great crowd gathered, and all the people joined in to come against them. The Roman officials ordered that Paul and Silas be stripped of their garments and beaten with rods on their bare backs. After they were severely beaten, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them securely. So the jailer placed them in the innermost cell of the prison and had their feet bound and chained. Paul and Silas undaunted, prayed in the middle of the night and sang songs of praise to God while all the other prisoners listened to their worship. Suddenly, a great earthquake shook the foundations of the prison. All at once, every prison door flung open and the chains of all the prisoners came loose. Startled, the jailer awoke and saw every cell door standing open. Assuming that all the prisoners had escaped, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself when Paul shouted in the darkness, Stop! Don't hurt yourself. We're all still here. The jailer called for a light. When he saw that there was, they were still in their cells, he rushed in and fell trembling at their feet. Then he led Paul and Silas outside and asked, what must I do to be saved? They answered, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and all your family. We'll stop right there. You may have a seat. I'm going to read this again in another version. But, you know, some of y'all might have exercised kind of hard last night. And I'm not trying to hurt you. Not trying to hurt you. <laughs> I love it. Y'all like, yeah, that's this, this, Betty. We exercised too much last night. All right. Here it is again in the new uh, international version. Once, when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. We'll continue from there. But I want you all to consider this. What 
was their response. What was Paul and Silas's response? The ultimate question, of course, is what is your response? But we'll get there. I had the great privilege this past Friday night to do a podcast with some people from this church. And the question that we were to discuss in the podcast is, if God is good, why do bad things happen? And we got to talk about it on Friday. And God moved mightily. And I bring that question here because over the course of this month, we have heard powerful speakers who have literally deposited aspects of the word that God is bringing today. We started off in the first Sunday in July with Pastor Sam. And he asked, won't he do it? All right, it's good to see y'all remember. Come on now, right? And he asked that question. And in his message, he even began to talk a little bit about worship and then what we need to do, right? Because we have a God who will do it. And then we got to move on, right? And then y'all remember that Pastor Katani talked about what happened when Jesus was on the boat and the storm was raging and the people woke him up. And what did Jesus say? Peace. Be still, right? And then Pastor Karen walked you through the life of Paul last week, and I praise God for her so I don't have to do all that. Thank you, sis, right? And so she walked us through and talked about that thorn that Paul had and how God said, my grace is sufficient. And today, I am here talking about our response what I love about this passage is that even last week, Holy Spirit used that amazing praise team of ours and JP because they sang. They sang what came from here, right? Did you hear him when he said, late in the midnight hour, God's going to turn it around, right? That came from this passage, right? All of it is a setup. God is so intentional. And I am grateful so I want you to ask yourself, when adversity comes, what is your response? What is your response to adversity? The first time I had the privilege of preaching in this building this year, it was to five or six leaders, the praise team, and all y'all were home because of COVID. And God told me to speak on how greater is coming. What's interesting is that our response dictates when we get to access the greater. Our response dictates when we get to experience the greater. So, I want to walk you through what happened in this passage because obviously the Bible in itself doesn't get to give you all of it. You got to do the research and read more about it. So I want to tell you a little bit about what was happening with Paul and Silas before they got locked up. Paul and Silas were traveling and they only went 
where God told them to go. They would be heading to a city and God would say no, and they would move and go to a different place. They were only doing what God told them to do. So here they are. In fact, before this moment happens, they encounter a woman named Lydia. She gives her life to God. She convinces them to come and hang out with her even though she's a woman. Mm, okay. And so they do, and for three days, they are going back and forth to the place of public prayer, doing what God told them to do. Does that sound a little bit like some of y'all when you talk about your Christian life? You're like, I'm doing what God told me to do. I'm doing exactly what you told me to do, God. And then something happens. Yeah? Anybody know about that? You literally surrender it all. You're walking in obedience. And then more things happen after you choose obedience than before. That is exactly where Paul is. So Paul is going to the house of prayer. And as he is walking with silence, this young girl who is captured by a demon and has these gifts of being able to tell the future, which makes her owners money. They don't care about her She's enslaved. They don't care about her freedom. They care about how she can be useful to them. And yet, in the presence of God, the demon within her can't help but cry out and say, these men serve the Most High God, and they are telling us how we can be saved. She is shouting it. Now, day one, they went on about their business, and they went and prayed, and they came back, and it was fine. Day two, they heard her. They kept going. They went to the house of God. They prayed, and they came back. But day three, day three, Paul was a little tired of hearing her shouting, over and over and over again. These men are from the Most High God, and they are telling us how to be saved. These men are from the Most High God, and they are telling us how to be saved. These, all right, that's it. Paul turns, and he says, in the name of Jesus, spirit come out of her. And the spirit does. And she, for the first time, is free. Now, I say that to you because y'all, like me, have probably read this passage before and heard people preach it. But no one ever stops and shouts about the fact that a woman who was captured by a spirit was just released by the power of Almighty God. That's a miracle. Have you ever been bound? Have you ever been set free? And have you ever been bound and set free? And because of the way of the world, you didn't even get to celebrate it because something else happened right afterward. So Paul doesn't get to rejoice with the people around him who are following him. No. The people who owned her got mad. And they raised a fuss and said, let's call the authorities in. Because these, these people 
have to be stopped. Now here's the fun part. They were mad because Paul took away their cash cow. But that's not what they said to the authorities. The authorities, they said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. Paul was simply going to church. He'd been doing the same thing. People did it every day. No one ever complained about them going and serving their God. But when their revenue stream was interrupted, suddenly there's a problem and they don't mind twisting the truth to get their way. Another fun fact, they called them Jews, but Paul was a Roman citizen. And Silas was both a Jew and a Roman citizen. So truth wasn't what mattered. They wanted vengeance because they couldn't make money off that girl. And so the authorities heard what they had to say and said, yep, you're right. And they not only said that they would be imprisoned, they said that they would be publicly beaten. And before you beat them, they had to be stripped naked. I want you to understand this. They're doing what God told them to do. He freed a girl who had been possessed by demons. And now they are going to be publicly beaten naked in front of everybody. So they are. They are beaten. They are beaten with rods, and their backs are bloody. No one is cleaning their wounds. No one offers them a bandage, no antiseptic, nothing. So they are bleeding, and they are naked. And then they tell the jailer to watch them carefully. And so the jailer puts them in the inner cell, the place where there are no windows. It is dark, and he puts chains around their neck and puts their feet in stocks so they can't stand up, they can't walk around. They are stuck in a position of sitting in an uncomfortable way while their body is bleeding, and they have chains on them. I ask you, if that happened to you, what would be your response? Would you complain? Would you get mad at God? Would you question why you chose this faith walk in the first place? I have to tell you, I was so convicted by this word, because I'm sure y'all are better people than me, but I, I can complain. I can complain when the Wi-Fi takes 45 seconds for me to get on it. 45 seconds, and I'm like, seriously? What is wrong?
Wi-Fi. I can complain if I allocated the exact amount of time I needed to get somewhere and traffic is not what I thought it would be. I can complain. When people are trash talking, I can complain. When people are on social media saying all kinds of crazy, I can complain. Now, I may not do it publicly, but I can complain. Anybody else in here have that gift? Okay, okay, I'm not alone, amen. And so I'm reading this, and Paul and Silas are imprisoned for doing nothing wrong. They are walking in God's purpose. They're doing everything they're supposed to do, and now they are stuck in this cell there is no light, they are bleeding, they are sore, there are chains around their necks and stocks around their feet, and their response was to pray. They began to pray to the God that they were in deep relationship with. And their prayer as prayer does when you're in deep relationship with God, led to praise. They didn't pray the way some of us do. A lot of us, when we're in trouble, decide that we are above God because we tell God what he needs to do. We don't ask, we demand and maybe put a question mark on it to make it seem like we're asking, but we really tell God what he needs to do. We take ourselves and we put ourselves above him and we decide that we know what's best. Am I the only one? Right? When you don't know where that bill is going to get paid when your kid is acting in a way that you never thought, when you're struggling with self-esteem, when you're battling with depression or addiction, most of us often tell God what he needs to do. The thing about Paul and Silas, so in love with Jesus were they, that they prayed and they praised. They prayed and they praised. They prayed and they praised. And as this praise came from them, they found themselves in, you know, the, the word here says that they sang hymns. Those hymns that they're referencing was actually scripture. From Psalm 113, all the way through 118, they began to sing the word of God and everyone in the jail began to listen. So I want to just talk you through and read you through some of what they began to say to God in the midst of their adversity. They are bloody, 
They are imprisoned falsely. They are sore. They have chains on them. They have been made naked in front of other people. And they say, Psalm 113, praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. From this time forth and forevermore, from the rising of the sun to the going down, the Lord's name is to be praised. That is where they began. It goes on, but I'm not going to read all of them to you, but I'm going to go to Psalm 114, just the beginning. When Israel went out of Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of strange language, Judah, Judah became his sanctuary and Israel his dominion. What is Judah known for, y'all? Okay, just keep it up. All right, Psalm 115. Now unto us, O Lord, no, sorry, not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name give glory because of your mercy, because of your truth. Why should the Gentiles say, so where is their God? But our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. I'm going to just read that again. Never in my adversity have I said, but our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. Okay? And then they continue. Psalm 116. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications, because he has inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call upon him as long as I live. The pains of death surround me, and the pangs of Sheol, which is hell, laid hold of me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. O oh Lord, I implore you, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is merciful. And then we go to Psalm 117. Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud him, all you peoples, for his merciful kindness is great toward us. And the truth of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. And then you get to Psalm 118. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. For he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let Israel now say, his mercy endures forever. And I didn't read it all. That was their response to God, to their situation. They are in a situation that they did not choose like a pandemic, like racial injustice, like inflation, 
like gas and food prices going higher and higher. They were in a situation that they did not choose. They were lied on. They were beat. They were put in prison. And their response was to speak and sing the word of God over their life and over their situation again and again and again. We know the end of the story, but I need you to know in this time, nothing like what was about to happen had ever happened before. So they had no knowledge that God could send an earthquake that could free them. They didn't know that the Holy Spirit had the power to break chains. All they knew was how good their God was. We know what God can do. And yet, that is not our response to adversity. What do we believe, y'all? Do we believe that we serve the God for whom nothing is impossible? Do we believe that he is a chain-breaking God? Do we know him to be a healer, a savior, a warrior who fights our battles? Do we know? Or have we just heard it? Like we might hear something on the news. Because there they are in the worst situation that they had ever been in. And they prayed and they praised and they prayed and they praised. And you do realize if you're going to church during the day, it's daylight when this began. They were put in prison when it was daylight. And so deep was their love and their worship that they continued praying and praising. And then the text says, at what time? At midnight. At midnight. You have been sitting bloody, sore, bruised. Time to think about it all for hours. Imagine if they were put in prison at 5 p.m. Seven hours later, everyone in the prison is paying attention to them because they suddenly hear, Lord, you are good. You've been so good. Lord, you are good. You've been better than good. I can't praise you enough. I owe you my life. I can't thank you enough. Even if I tried, cause you've been so good. You've been so good. You've been so good to me. And 
and they're worshiping with everything in them. And every single prisoner is listening. No one is asleep. They've never heard a sound like this. And so they're all sitting up at attention, wondering what is going on, knowing that if you're in prison, it isn't a good time. They know what happened. Roman prisons weren't easy. They have been there. They know that people treat you like you're less than. And yet, they hear people singing, singing praise to God. And, and something begins to happen inside them. Maybe that discouragement that they had been feeling that nobody cared anymore began to move and shift. Maybe all those thoughts that they were less than began to, to be questioned suddenly. And then they heard this sound. Hallelujah. 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 And they started to hear others singing with them. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Then they said, Lord, you're worthy. Lord, you're worthy while I'm in chains. Lord, you're worthy. The blood, I still feel it. Lord, you're worthy. When I didn't do anything wrong, Lord, you're worthy. They sang it with all their might, Lord, you're worthy. Right now you're worthy, Lord, you're worthy. I don't know what'll happen tomorrow, but Lord, you're worthy. And I love you, I love you, Lord, you're worthy. Then they said, Lord, I love you, Lord, I love you. If you don't fix it, God, Lord, I love you. With all my heart, Lord, I love you. I love you, I love you, Lord, I love you. And the whole place sang, Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you. 
And while they're worshiping their God with all of their hearts, all of their minds, all of their soul, all of their strength, suddenly an earthquake came and every single door was opened and every single chain was removed. Not just their chains, other prisoners' chains, the ones who were guilty, their chains were removed too. And here's the thing, here's the thing, and I'm going to ask you to pause just for a moment, just for a moment, because here's the thing, you and I might have just been excited and worshipped, you and I might have run out of that jail, you and I might have just shouted, but Paul and Silas were so in tune to the Holy Spirit that they heard the jailer wake up, and they heard him perhaps cry, and he reached for his sword, because if all the prisoners broke out, he was going to be sentenced to death. And so he grabs his sword, and he is about to kill himself. But mercy said no. And Paul cried out and said, don't harm yourself. We are still here. We are all still here. Have you ever heard of people being imprisoned and being freed and not going anywhere? They were worshiping their God. They cared more about their God than their present circumstance. I'm going to say it again. They cared more about their God than they did their present circumstance. So the jailer comes and he asks for light because I told you it was dark. They didn't have electricity. And they bring the lights. And he sees that everyone is still there. And he brings Paul and Silas out of the prison. And he begins to wash their wounds. And he falls at their feet. And he says, what must I do to be saved? And Paul, again, his response He doesn't say, Joker, you locked me up, put me in the most inner cell, didn't give me anything, right? He says, believe, believe, and you and all of your household will be saved. And they did, and they were baptized. And they came together and ate together. And every single member of that household was saved. What if the adversities that some of us go through are so that other people could come to know who Jesus is? What if we didn't go through the things we did? There wouldn't be the sound that would come forth that would get people to hear. A sound that doesn't make sense. What if the worship that God wants for us won't happen if he doesn't press us sometimes? What if your, you, 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 your worship was designed to break the chains of the city of Aurora, the state of Colorado, the entire United States of America, 
What if we're in this position now because the sound hasn't gone forth? Because we are not declaring the most high God. We are elevating our situations over the God of all creation. So I ask you today, what is your response? From our reading, we learn that God's desire is for our response, one, to be in deep relationship with him, to know him, so that when there is no word in front of us, the word is still in us and can come forth. And then he says to pray and praise, 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 and speak the word of God and move about with joy. Joy because you know the goodness of our God. So restoration, beloved family, we all want greater, but are we willing to do what greater requires. Pray and praise. Awesome God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you so much for this word. I thank you, Father, for convicting me first. I thank you, God, that your word is amazing. And I pray, oh God, that moving forward, that we as a people will be willing to pray and will be willing to praise you no matter what. I pray, oh God, that we will no longer say, I can't come down for prayer because I'm afraid of what people might say. I pray, oh God, that we will put it all down and lift you up and only you, oh God, because you desire to use us in a powerful way. And we want to be used by you. You are good and your mercy endures forever. You are good, and your mercy endures forever. You are good, and your mercy endures forever. And we lift you up today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.